Our gospel tells us that uh, even when it's challenging, uh, even when we have our own plans, uh, we're called to do God's will, right? And it's God's will that we all be committed to defending the lives of those who are most vulnerable. So I'm going to talk about abortion today. (laughs) How can I not? Um, It may be uncomfortable, but uh, I just want to reassure parents with kids and stuff that I'm going to keep the, it's not going to get graphic. Uh, I'll try to keep the discussion appropriate. But And before I begin, um, I know abortion has affected the lives of people in this community. Uh, not because I have anyone in particular in mind, uh, just because it's so common. So if you have had an abortion yourself or assisted someone in obtaining one, just know that God still loves you deeply. And I and, and we all care about you. We are all sinners, and it's not my job or your neighbor's job to judge your guilt for that action. That's God's job, no one else's. And circumstances that lead a woman to choose that are, I'm sure, very difficult, and the pressure on someone in a situation like that is incredible. Uh, I understand that. But in that case, I do invite you to admit that perhaps there was a mistake there. That abortion perhaps is an evil. And realize that God wants to heal any guilt or pain that you might suffer. Not to condemn you. And that confession is a great start. And have no fear. Uh, You know, I would be kind, right? Uh, And I would listen if you came to me into confession and confessed such a thing. And in fact, uh, that would be something very courageous, and I would be very proud of of any person that did that, that came and sought out God's mercy. So while I will talk about the evil of abortion and how it is an evil, and know that it's not my job to condemn and be angry at people who have been involved in bad things, and not like uh, the apostles in the gospel who are asking, hey, Jesus, can we call down fire to consume these people? No, that's not what Jesus wants. He wants us to love them, um, to kindly help people find their way back into God's graces. So uh, with that, here we go. Um, Friday was a very big day in our nation's history. Uh, the Supreme Court ruled that there is not, in fact, a right to abortion in our nation's constitution. This overturned Roe v. Wade and is it Planned Parenthood versus Casey? Uh, another case, a uh, related case. Roe, back in 1973, Supreme Court case in 1973, bypassed any debate or legislation on this issue and forced legal abortion on all 50 states. Since that decision, about 50 years ago almost, something like 70 million children were legally killed in our country. In the decades uh, when Roe was in force, abortion became very common. Something like one in four women, statistics say, on average in our country, have had abortions. And I recall a statistic that at one point, at least, more than 40% of pregnancies in New York City were ending in abortion. 40%. And the one abortion clinic that is in North Dakota, it's going to move now five miles across to the east, across the river now, since North Dakota 
changes its laws. Uh, but the one clinic in North Dakota in Fargo in 2020, uh, 1,171 abortions were performed. It's like half of Stanley's population wiped out. And that's a normal year for that clinic. Or, if you want, two and a third birth olds gone every year. Before Roe versus Wade decided this issue for everyone, individual states had the power to make their own laws. And in fact, they were making their own laws, laws to restrict this practice. That was the will of the people back then. But with Roe v. Wade, those laws were rendered useless until Friday. Given, as I mentioned, how common abortion has become and how it's become so entwined with political party politics and divisions in our country, this, what happened yesterday, was a huge and sudden change, even though we were given a warning with the leak, right? Now, that's why Friday, as I say, is a historic day in our nation. It is really going to change things. Sadly, though, many of our nation's political leaders, our lawmakers, our media outlets, and even corporations now are expressing their uh, ideas on this. They're proclaiming things that really aren't true about what has happened and what the implications of this are for women in particular. And so I wanted to briefly address six of these issues now, things I've just been hearing and seeing in social media and in news because uh, I know we're going to encounter them uh, in our discussions with family and friends and so on. First, some have the idea that abortion is now illegal in all 50 states. That'd be nice, but that's not what this court uh, decision did. All this recent court decision does is it returns the right to make laws about abortion to the states and lawmakers. So in North Dakota, abortion will become illegal because that's what the voters in North Dakota wanted. But it may become, in fact, more accessible in other states. And they may even enact laws and things in, in those states to do things like use taxpayer money to pay for them. And if public opinion, or at least the opinions of lawmakers in Washington, are swayed enough federal law could be passed that would impose abortion upon us again around the nation and maybe even in a more severe way than before Roe. So the war for life is, is not over, but a big battle has been won. So we celebrate a bit, but there's more work to do. Secondly, I hear this all the time. I heard our own president use this phrase, uh, often. Uh, second, there's a claim that women are going to be denied health care now. That we're, that we're in, uh, interfering with women's health care. But calling abortion health care, honestly, is ridiculous. I mean, health care workers are involved in the process, sure, but health care, it's not health care for the child. It is never care to directly kill someone. And I think we should always try to cut through the euphemism here and admit what's really happening. You know, it wouldn't be healthcare to kill a newborn baby in the nursery or a child in kindergarten, right? And it's not healthcare to kill that same child minutes before birth. 
in the womb. Related to that, we hear claims that women will die because they will be required to carry a child, even if their health makes that dangerous. Whether we're talking about things like ectopic pregnancies or dangerously high blood pressure uh, or in an expectant mother or whatever, in reality, there are no cases where the direct killing, and I'm using that word uh, with some precision there, the direct killing of an unborn child is, is never the only solution to a medical problem. Uh, this can be very complicated, and it's very, it would be an hours-long lecture in medical ethics to get into the distinctions here. But when we carefully apply real medical ethics to each individual situation, other solutions can be found that are morally acceptable. Abortion is not the answer. And honestly, there is, this is worth some level of risk because this is the life of a unique human person. It's a little boy or a girl. And they have as much right to life as the mother and the father. Not more, but as much. Number three, people are arguing that uh, women should have a right to do what they want with their bodies. And honestly, that makes sense, and they should. But the child in the womb is not the mother's body. You know, sure, the child needs the mother to live, at least at first. But so do three-month-old babies, right? but we don't kill three-month-olds because they rely upon their mothers for shelter and food. We find other ways to help them. The unborn child is not the mother's body. He or she has, for example, their own unique DNA. So people need to stop saying, my body, my choice, because it's not your body. Fourth, people are arguing that victims of rape should be able to obtain abortions. Well, many state res- you hear this all the time. And, and honestly, many state restrictions on abortion that are going to be going into effect won't even block abortions like this. But they should. Victims of rape, those women, they deserve justice. Absolutely. And here's the thing, killing the child, it kind of absolves the father of a lot of responsibility. He gets off a little easier. The most innocent person in the entire situation is the little child. A child does not deserve to die because of the sins of his or her father. The same goes with children conceived in incest. It's not the child's fault. They're the last person that should be punished. Fifth, I'm hearing old claims repeated again that before Roe versus Wade, thousands of women were dying every year because they needed abortions and couldn't get them legally or in a safe way, so they sought more dangerous ways to get it done. But that figure, you know, the many thousands dying, that was made up by the abortion industry and repeated endlessly. Dr. Bernard Nathanson, he was one of the co-founders of NARAL, which is a notorious pro-abortion group, and who directed one of the largest abortion clinics in the 70s, he admitted this was true, 
that it was made up and it was convenient for the narrative. In reality, in the year before Roe v. Wade, 39 women died, which is too many. It's terrible, you know, when they were seeking illegal abortions. But not thousands and thousands like they were claiming. And even if more women were to die seeking illegal abortions, well, that still doesn't mean that it's the solution. We need to find better ways to help and support them and not kill their children outright. And finally, sixth, we often hear the claim that pro-life people are just pro-birth. You've probably been accused of this if you've stood up for life at all. Um, You know, the idea that we don't care what happens to the mother or the child later on. We just want that child to be born. That's simply false. I mean, many pro-life pregnancy centers like Dakota Hope and Minot, uh, and even parishes and churches directly themselves, do all they can to help out with whatever the need is. Prenatal care, uh, baby clothes, food, housing, whatever the need, if we become aware of it, we will address it as generously as we can, because that's what Jesus would want. The Catholic Church has always and always will clearly stand up for life of the unborn, of the growing child, of the mother, the father, the young, the old, from conception to natural death. And while far too many politicians scandalously claim their Catholic faith supports or requires that abortion be accessible, That is not the truth, and it is not our faith. We should pray for such politicians, especially these last days we've seen Biden and Pelosi invoking their Catholic faith in support of abortion. This does not please Jesus. As we engage in discussions about this issue, we always come back to that basic, obvious, obvious truth that the unborn child is a unique human person from the moment of conception, and that abortion is the killing of an innocent person. And if we deny that to be true, well, then any other horror we can imagine becomes possible. Because if we don't respect the most basic right, the right to live, then we have no other rights at all that matter. I know this is getting a bit long, but I'm going to close now by reading our bishop's statement about this Supreme Court decision. He writes, Today marks the end of what can only be described as an almost 50-year national nightmare and tragedy. This decision ends the supreme injustice of the flawed Roe v. Wade decision. It, again, gives state and federal officials the ability to protect children in the womb in the law. I urge state and federal officials to take this opportunity to enact laws which will protect the child in the womb and support pregnant and parenting mothers. The Catholic Church has been praying and working tirelessly for this decision. We offer our gratitude to God and to all who have and continue to pray and work for the respect every human being deserves from conception to natural death and must have under the law. Roe v. Wade denied one of America's founding principles that all men and women are created equal with God-given rights to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. The result was the death of millions of children 
and the psychological and physical wounding of countless men and women. The challenge to protect every human life from abortion is not over, and neither is our commitment to healing the wounds and social divisions brought on by abortion. As the Roman Catholic Bishop of Bismarck, I pledged to every woman and man our unwavering support and compassionate accompaniment as you seek healing from the wounds of abortion. The Church Universal in the Diocese of Bismarck has an unerring and unwavering commitment to building a culture of life in our society, which supports marriages and families in every aspect of their daily lives. Our marriage preparation and enrichment programs in the diocese are available to all, and our support for the pregnancy resource centers across the Diocese of Bismarck will remain strong. The Diocese of Bismarck continues to be committed to building that culture of life which protects the God-given dignity of every person from conception to natural death and which advances the common good of every person who is a child of God.